been a while since we did an episode. The last day we did an episode was 10 days ago. That's this many. That's that many fingers and digits. Um, why? Let's let's just say it as we it is, have Harry. been mad busy, mad busy last week. Uh, focus groups for suppliers. Uh, what, what live streams? Just everything. Just everything just seemed to fall on days last lasting week's from break. 7 a.m. to. 11pm more than that much. we didn't get into Birmingham on, we arrived into Birmingham at just gone a yeah. 1 o'clock train yeah um, yeah so the reason for this preamble is to let you know that everything's good here and I think when we go to ground and there's silence from us smile for us because it normally means that things are good here it normally means that the business is good what tends to happen is when an influx of work or a new client or a certain you just bought your coffee? No, sorry. The handle nearly came off. I was holding it like that and it went. Wow. Be careful. Sorry. So, yeah. So, last week um, was a failure um, in terms of the podcast. It was a big success in terms of the business, which is great. And we'll probably try and get into some of the stuff in future episodes more yep. specific. Yep. Um, there's probably some scope in terms of how the focus groups that we run came to be and talking about how services you probably don't know all the value that you've got in your brand or product or service um, and sometimes suppliers and manufacturers and people knock on your door and say can you do this for us and uh, what you say yes to and what you say no to when it comes to that could be an interesting chat um, but yeah the focus groups were mad last week was uh, completely crazy um, what we're talking about today Harry oh and by the way just, just for those people that have emailed in I've tried to reply to all of you um, we have a whole host of questions lined up but after we've just done this ramble are we going to move into Q&A for this or are we just or we can talk about the focus groups now if you're on that it probably makes the most sense okay let's do that and then we'll get we'll stop this and we'll record some of the Q&A's and we'll get some of the questions out really appreciate it everyone um, I feel like there's a bit of tiredness in my voice but we'll we'll perk up a little bit and we'll get into it so in terms of the focus groups Harry that's sort of your ball so what is it and let's keep client names and stuff out of it it's me frantically trying to organize multiple <laughs> trades professionals to gather in one space at the same amount at the same time of day which is in let itself me, let me drill into that is a challenge why is that a challenge let's go into the industry that we work in why is it a challenge so these guys are notoriously busy all of the time which is a good thing they're always working um but it's difficult to one get hold of them then two is to put like because this is one of the things we've noticed kind of with uh, some of the features with our app for example obviously we have a kind of the calendar feature the bookings and things like that yep getting these guys to book in a slot and commit to it and actually be there on time is very challenging not not because they're um what's the word they're they're not they're not late they're not tardy it's because they'll go to for example uh, a heating engineer might go to someone where they think they're just going for a service yep. which is a half hour 45 minutes but when they get there they don't need a service the homeowners and they need a full-on repair which is yeah, a two-hour thing so and these get parts and then they get stuck exactly. in traffic i think the best way to to explain it is these guys are are fairly reactive to what happens to them on a yeah. day-to-day basis so yes they fill the calendar up but like you said they go for what they a self-diagnosed homeowner's problem boiler yeah. service great example could turn into a two-hour job 
the guy doesn't want to leave that old lady without the heat in, so he fixes it, and then it has a massive knock-on effect throughout the rest of the day. Um, weirdly, it's, I think it's difficult for homeowners to appreciate that as well. For the people at the next job, yeah, it's like, should you care? All, all, the, all they see is um, someone not turning up on time. When they, you said you'd be here between 3 and 4, it's now 5.30. Where are you? No, but they, could, they, they can generally, and it's something that we're looking to build into our app in terms of, when you've got meetings in your calendar and you know you're going to be late, we should have a one-click apologies and running late yeah. and then a drop-down 30 minutes, 20 minutes, an hour um, because I think communication is key. But anyway, focus groups. So what is a focus group, Harry? So essentially it is a supplier. You're going to find it really difficult not to mention names. Here. Yeah, but it, so a supplier can be a manufacturer of um, a, a particular item, say a tool, a product of any kind. And they just want a room full of end users, giving them honest feedback and, and just because the way the, the process works at the moment is a supplier goes to a merchant. Yep. And then that. So a merchant is basically a, a storefront, a guy that sells your product for you. Yep. Just and, a shop. And what happens there, though, is there's a, a break in the line of communication because the merchant has hundreds, if not thousands, of different products that they're selling to these guys every day. So they don't really have any reason to care or or need to know all of the ins and outs of these new yeah, products. Yeah, why that guy's buying that product. They get it in, they put it on the shelf, and if the if John the plumber doesn't want to buy that product off the shelf, that's not his issue, that's the supplier. But the supplier has no say in why John even knows about their product. So there's this whole mismatch of communica communication. Um, and this is what this is. This is the suppliers being able to speak to the end user directly and get this very valuable feedback from them. No, exactly. And the it's exactly that. It's these guys don't even know who's buying their product mm -hmm. sometimes. All they do is they see how many of these widgets have been sold every month, which yeah. merchants have bought it, but they don't know who's buying it. Um, and for us as a business, we're in sort of this prime position, the fact that we have a community of trades professionals um, that use us for, for one of the three services we do. But off the back of that, we have direct lines of communication with these yeah. guys. And we didn't really see this as anything we could offer as a, as a service, really, mm. um, until we had open conversations with someone that would just started off as an advertiser through us. And the pain point that he told us about was what you just mentioned is... They can spend, so they're a manufacturer, so they physically make it. So they can spend 20, 30, 50K on tooling. Yeah. So they physically, they establish a problem in the market. They then spend all this money on engineering the, prob engineering the product to solve the problem, tooling, manufacturing, and then they have to go and basically knock on the door of buyers. And as, um, as our mate likes to say, is you can, be, you can be a buyer of prams and pushchairs for mother care today, and next week you can be buying building materials mm. because you're a if you're a buyer you're a buyer and that's the role that you do and then the perception of the, the the market and the the career is it doesn't matter what you're buying you're just skilled at driving prices down and buying it a good list so the manufacturer's problem is he might have the best product in the world but the buyer doesn't have a bloody clue what this thing does and if he just doesn't get it or doesn't like the color or woke up on the wrong side of the bed this manufacturer just wasted 50k on tooling and marketing and research and, and development so the sort of thing that we try and do 
part of the focus groups is give the manufacturer back this power. Yeah, definitely. Um, so he can take this product and he can go to the buyer and say, this is my new widget. How many do you want? I don't like the shade. No, thank you. And he'll go, okay, not a problem. But we've had these 30 engineers take it. It's been in the market for three months. They've tested it. They've reviewed it. They've told all the mates about it. If you don't want it, we'll take it somewhere else or we'll sell it direct. All of a sudden it changes like the whole power dynamic. And it's, it's taken us, I think, six months of doing a few of these focus groups to really understand the value that we, that we put into that room every time. What does a trade get out of it? So if you were, if you were I'll try and make this actually more than, more than just a chat. If someone's listening and they've got like a, if they've got a community and they're thinking, actually, there's the same opportunity for us. Like we can put specialized people in a room with suppliers, with manufacturers. What do you recommend for the trade to get out of it? Like we've done surveys. What do these guys care about when they come into these focus groups? So I think one of the, one of the main things is their voice gets heard, which is always an important thing. You, like you, you, only, you always want people to take your opinion on board. And it's, for these guys, it's exciting for their feedback to be acknowledged and potentially change or shape future products that are going to be, or that are either on, in the market already or coming out uh, shortly. Like we've, like from some of the groups we've had already, they've literally just either stopped so the supply of a specific tool yeah. or they've completely changed the way that they make a tool because it, there's a flaw that manufacturers and suppliers can't, they can't, they don't see it because they're not the ones using it, that it goes off the production line and into the market and that's so, it. So give me that example, without the brand, give me that example that we discovered. Um, so we had a, there was a spanner, milligrip spanner, and it it had a kind of a a single hand use, yep. but it didn't fit all um, all widths of piping. Yep. So they literally just wrote Killed it off, it, pulled it out of the market. What about the screwdriver without, without the name of it? What did we discover with the bearings and that one? Oh, you mean the uh, yeah that I'm one pointing to it? Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah so that, that was one, that was ridiculous. So that was a very well engineered um, screwdriver. In the market. Yeah, in the market out there now. and uh, big in, Yeah, big in Germany, bringing it to the UK. Gets great feedback, uh, obviously, uh, because it's so well made. But there is, there's a use case, um, the way that the trade uses it causes, causes the... Um, can we describe what the tool is? Cause it to, to it's basically a, it, fail. It's a, yeah, it's, it's a multi-bit screwdriver that has a, a release system. But what happens is the trade is using that system just to hold it while they're using it and that basically wears out the I'm assuming it wears out the, the mechanism yeah what so. they think is a feature wasn't actually designed as a yeah. feature and it's a great feature but like you said it kills the function over time it, it literally breaks it um, and but that sort of information you, these guys just don't get they just think oh no one's, no one's buying our screwdrivers anymore no exactly it must not be a success exactly they don't know they don't know and they don't and the key thing is, is they're not part of these like also these online communities. So the, yeah. the key thing around the focus groups for us, and a focus group sort of like one to one to a few. So we, we kind of think about business interactions, either it's one to one, it's one to a few or one to many. Mm. So when we're on the phone and we're talking to a trade about a website, it's one to one. 
if we then take that guy, turn him into a brand advocate, we can then make him one to many. So a focus group is one to a few. It's like one to 15 or one to 30 people. But the idea of if we can then take all this goodwill and this great work that this manufacturer is doing as part of this focus group, the idea is to turn all these guys into brand advocates because the great thing about this industry is everyone works on site with other trades. Yeah. So like good news travels fast, bad news travels faster. But if we can create 30 brand advocates of this brand on part of this thing, here's the new product, here's what I'm testing and create this kind of like, oh, these guys are doing something different. That's when this focus group is really powerful. It's one feedback into the supplier, but it's also creating brand advocates out of these people because it's the first time that they're actually being listened. You nailed it on the head. It's the first time they're actually being listened to mm. by a supplier. Um, and yeah, just to like in terms of the commercial side of it is we didn't think that this was something that we could make revenue from. But this year we've booked five figures in revenue from these sort of focus groups. Um, which is which is great because one for the suppliers it strengthens relationship with our partnerships, but two the best thing that comes about it is it builds more community within our yeah. own company. Like Definitely. these guys, literally, we've we've had emails. Thank you so much for letting me come along to this thing because of X, Y, and Z. And I think when you can when you can add value, just talking business commercially stuff, when you can add value to both sides and be be known as the the guy that made it happen, which is all we are. We're just this platform. Um, we get a lot of goodwill and feedback back into our company. Yeah, I mean, I mean, as well when you when you think about it, the value that we potentially do bring, not just like fair enough, people people are paying us for these services, but the mm-hmm. amount of money that they're potentially saving by not by not producing a product. Um, you you can't even measure that because. <laughs> oh no! The amount of marketing, like the, imagine imagine. 100,000 of those units hit in the UK market and then they find the issue and they have to recall them all. Yeah. I mean, we can't measure that. They're either going to fix the bearing issue or they're going to make it so that the, the sleeve doesn't turn and they're going to... The product is fantastic. Um, it's just that one small thing in it that, that we discovered through user testing. And, and the other problem as well it, with, that they have is they can't post on Twitter, hey, do you have this screwdriver and are you having this problem? Yep. Because that visually doesn't look great as it, for the company. It doesn't you, look great. And also... I'm just going to say it, it says these guys are shit on social media like they're terrible like <laughs> and what's interesting now and Mar- Martin's kind of hit the nail on the head the other day we phrased it as you don't go to a hairdresser and get a haircut from a guy who's got a terrible haircut and we've noticed over the last six months we've completely neglected expert trades social media accounts just because we've been working yeah. on so many other client accounts so we're starting to bring that back now but to address the, the thing you said in terms of these guys can't go and push out on social, they can't even push out an email to their customers because they don't know who they are. They have to yeah, then send crazy. an email to the merchant and say, anyone that's <laughs> ever bought one of these, and the merchant's going to say, well, I sold 400 units, but they're all cash. I don't know who they were. So they literally have no idea who's got them in the market. Um, and that's sort of a bridge that we're solving through focus groups. And we're building up social media following, building email lists, just so the suppliers can actually understand who their customers are, which when you say it out loud, it's just weird. Like they think yeah. their customers are the merchant, but they're not. They're, their customers are the guy on the ground that's using it. Yeah, that whole dynamic is just mad. <laughs> and, and selfishly, like what do we get out of a focus group? So when we're in that room, what do you feel it does for us? Apart from the goodwill. Apart from pays the bills. <laughs> pays the bill. It keeps the lights on. I know it, it's just, it just makes us look good. 
really, ultimately, like yeah. it, it makes us look great that we, we're bringing we're bringing great trade professionals and connecting them with great suppliers, and people just associate us with being able to reproduce these things. It just makes us an exciting company to be involved with, hopefully. Okay. And like we we have, I find I've noticed that what happens as well is guys are in these focus groups. They tell their friends that they're part of these kind of like closed meetings that they've got to sign NDAs for so that they can't yep. even tell them about what they're doing in these meetings. I'm in this but thing, but I all, can't tell you. All I can tell you is I'm in it. But So we have pe- we do have people requesting to uh, kind of be on the list for if there's anyone drops out. So yeah, like for the groups that we've got, we've probably got an equal amount waiting to be involved in it. So it's just... And scarcity is the... the from a marketing perspective, like scarcity yeah. of any product is the best situation to be in, um, especially when you've got the demand for it. Um, yeah, I think uh, I think the focus groups have been good for us, mate. And as I mentioned, this is your ball from when we opened this up, is you're like solely responsible for making these things happen. Yeah. And I <laughs> I, I, I wind you up a little bit. If I had hair, I'd pull it out. <laughs> we, we, did, uh, we did a focus group... And I actually am really impressed with the results because it's literally in the middle of nowhere, like nowhere. Um, and it was meant to start at six o'clock and five past six, there was no one in the room. And we stood there with a the supplier, like looking confident still on the outside, but like a swan above water, calm as anything. Yeah. Uh, just, I mean, I mean, luckily there was, there, the was, uh, there was an accident on the roads on the way there yep. and it was a whole mess of issues. But we, we got but... the room full, which was... Uh, which was good. Um, yeah, so anything else on the focus group, mate? Uh, no, they're, they're really fun and exciting, and I, I do enjoy them, as stressful as they can be when they, when they work. They're, they're a win for everyone involved, I think. Yeah, so um, we'll wrap this up now. Yep. We've got a whole host of questions, and hopefully you'll tune in to tomorrow's show, listen to questions. We will do a Friday show this week, and we'll get back onto the wagon. Um, but if you have any questions... You can reach out on Facebook. Startup Diary. Direct messages on there. Or you can email hello at experttrades.com. That's got two T's in the middle, one S at the end. Um, we've had a couple of people reach out. We've actually had some people, as we've requested, uh, who would be interested to be on the show, talk about what they do as a business. Um, the idea of that is really simple, is if you're a startup founder, regardless of the stage of your business, um, we'd love to talk to you. If you're before us, we'd love to help um, and ask you some questions. If you're ahead of us, we'd love to learn from you. Um, so it's open doors to everyone. Possibly hire you. Possibly hire you, <laughs> yep. Um, but great, wrap it up there. Cool.